Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on self worst Check, 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 check Okay, the microphone is checked We have checked the mic We're going Hello Hi everybody Welcome to another episode of Self Worst. Sorry I missed you last week. I've been a little busy. Things have been going on. I'm out of town. I'm coming to you from the city of Minneapolis, which if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know uh, I got a bit of a history with the city of Minneapolis, the Twin Cities. Uh, I used to live here, went to college here, very formative time in my life. I still got family here. And uh, the reason I'm back is because my little sister is getting married. My baby sister. Held her once as an infant in my arms, and now she's a grown-ass woman getting married and shit. How about that? Isn't life wild? So, we're doing that. Uh, We're all in town for that. We're getting real excited for it. And, you know, since uh, the world is the world... The nightmare world that we live in. We had a COVID exposure uh, earlier that might uh, fuck the whole thing up. Might fuck the whole thing up. And so uh, we're just waiting. I've been testing and uh, we're hopefully in the clear, but who knows? By the time I put this out tomorrow, uh, everybody in the wedding party, including the bride and groom, might have COVID and uh, not sure what we'll do then guess uh rain check or i don't know this shit happens this is like one of the main things that happens now weddings getting postponed and canceled and shit but i don't know i'm trying to stay positive and not think about it too much because uh nothing we can do about it now gotta just wait gotta just wait for that incubation period see if you got god or not don't know. It's been three days, going on four. I feel okay. Everybody feels okay. But who knows? It could all turn to shit. So that's what I'm living with. But it's okay. I'm at a house by myself. Uh, my friends, my good friends, Ben Katz, um, who is... The guy who exposed us all to COVID, but it wasn't his fault. Shit happens. What are you going to do? He could very well have tested negative uh, when he was hanging out with us. And then just the morning after was like, oh, fuck, I'm sick. That's how fast it comes on. What can you do? You can do your best to stay safe, but it's still it's going to fucking get you. Anyway, staying at his new house, uh, him and his wife, former guest of the show, Maggie Robinson Katz. Um, they, uh, they bought a house in Northeast, uh, and it's very nice. And I'm just sitting here by myself having some alone time. There's no internet here yet. It's not fully furnished. There is a couch. I'm sleeping on a, a pullout sofa on a couch. It's fine. I'm surviving without the internet. Doing okay. I am going to have to go somewhere to upload this episode. But such is our dependence internet what are you gonna do it's our whole life been having some nice solitude though caitlin my girlfriend she's not in town yet 
Um, she's coming in later this week if everything doesn't turn to shit. Um, and uh, I'm just hanging, man. I'm just, I'm vibing. Going for walks, going for little drives, going to all my old haunts. You know, going going around South Minneapolis, checking that out. That's mostly where I used to hang out and live. Reading some audio books. I'm reading Fledgling by Octavia Butler. And you know Octavia's the goat. You know Octavia is my main. I love her work. This is apparently a book about a vampire, so it's going to be interesting. Bringing us into spooky season with an Octavia Butler book about a vampire. So I'm vibing on that. And uh, just trying to figure out how to, you know, live without streaming by myself. And it's kind of nice. I miss my lady. I miss my dog, of course. But they're fine. I'll see them again. And just every once in a while, not all the time, it's nice to just kind of hang out, have some solitude. You know, do some contemplation. Maybe have an epiphany. Do some introspection. It's like that that part of the movie, you know, like in, into the third act where the protagonist is like sitting by a lake looking out at the water like, damn, fuck am I gonna do? And then something comes to them and they have a moment of inspiration and the, the everything's fine. I'm sitting in that right now. Having some downtime, going for walks. There's a train, like a freight train that runs kind of near here. Just get up early and look at the train go by. It's very... Midwestern. There's grain silos and shit. It's a beautiful city. I don't know if I'll ever live here again, but it's no, it's it's lovely to come back every every year or so. You know, just check back in. But I don't know. I'm trying to just have a good week and uh, vibe and not think about the uh, impending disaster of uh, mass COVID infection of the wedding party that could uh, ruin everything. Waste a bunch of time and money and upset everybody. (sighs) Trying to just chill. And it's very hard. Humans were born to vibe. You think about that. Like, most animals were. Most animals, you just look at, like, they'll do their hunting, gathering, do do their food, water, shelter, take care of their basic needs, and then they just kind of sit around. Lions. The universal symbol of uh, nobility and strength, power, courage. Those motherfuckers sleep like 20 hours a day. Did you know that? They don't do shit. From from most like pre-industrial society, we'd do our farming, we'd do our hunting, gathering, whatever we needed to do, and then we'd just hang out and like, oh, let's play a game. Let's dance. Let's hang out and tell stories. I'm not meant to do all this shit. Also, I'm lazy and don't want to. We're supposed to be vibing, and the world makes it very hard to vibe because you gotta fucking work all the time just to live. And then 
You got all this shit going on. Pandemics and climate change and creeping fascism. How are you supposed to fucking relax? When you got like the world ending on Twitter. Right in your pocket. Fucking stressful, man. So I'm trying to just unplug from all that. Stay away from the internet for a while. Other than, I guess, I mean, audiobooks and podcasts, but whatever. Just walk around. Just be in my own head. For a while. You don't want to do it too long because then introspection turns into, you know, solitude turns into isolation real fast. And then it starts to get gross. Then it starts to get, you know, just the trash piles up and it gets... You start putting foil over the windows and things spiral and it's it's not good. But for now, and since this is a temporary scenario, I'm just living in it. Speaking of vibing, speaking of Minneapolis, let's introduce our guest. This week we're talking to my dear friend, Diana Chow. Um, She's an animator based in New York City, but I didn't meet her in New York City. I met her, guess where? Minneapolis, Minnesota. How about that? Full circle, boom. It's almost serendipitous. It actually makes a lot of sense because she's a person from my life and, you know, but anyway. Uh, Yeah, I've known her for a long time and she's just, she's just a cool, she's just a good-ass friend. You know, just someone you, you chill, you smoke weed with, you... You look at art, you show each other cool art and videos and music, and look at this thing I found. Isn't that cool? You talk about art and technique, and that's just a good hang. Ain't anything, is anything better than that? That's what it's about, man. Just chilling and, and showing your friend this cool thing you saw. The best. That's kind of, that's a largely what we, we do a lot of that in this episode. We kind of talk, we, we talk about mental health. We touch on it. You know, she is in therapy and, uh, you know, we, we, we deal with a lot of that stuff, uh, generational trauma and, uh, racial bias, racism, particularly directed towards Asian American folks in the last couple of years sucks and, so we've dealt with that. But a lot of a lot of what we talk about in this episode just ends up being about art and practice and uh, why we love what we do. And um, it's just a, you know, it's just a good conversation with uh, somebody who uh, I love and respect and have known for a long time. So we're going to go right into that. Let's just do that. Uh, first housekeeping, uh, follow me at Bradical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter follow the show at self worst on Instagram. You can, uh, subscribe on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month and you get bonus content stuff. I cut from the episodes, video stuff, blah, 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 whatever you want, really, whatever you want. If you subscribe and like send me a request, well, then reason I'll probably do it. Won't kill anybody for you or anything like that. But like, if you got a if you got a reasonable request, I can do it. I I can even do handyman. I I can come uh, uninstall your air conditioner. Now that we're heading into spooky season, I can do that. I can uh, 
I can fix I can fix stuff around your apartment. I can uh, drive a stick shift. I got skills. Anyway, hit me up. Um, and that's about it. Uh, just uh, you know, uh, email the show at selfforcedgmail.com. Not selfforcedgmail.net. Just to be clear. And, uh, you know, drop me a line. Let me know what you think. And uh, that's all. Let's go to the conversation now, huh? With my friend, Diana Chow. Let's do that. I know what I'm fucking doing here. So. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me, though? Is it okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you talk for just a second to kind of get levels and whatnot? Yes. My name is Diana Chow. Uh Uh-huh. And. I'm Brad's friend. That's true also. And here's my really excited part. Here's my lower part and what I'm saying. I think it's Here gonna is... I think it's gonna sound beautiful. Okay, great. I yeah, because I have a lot of fans and um air conditioning going on, so it is yeah, what it is, you know. I mean head. like it, it always over Zoom it always sounds a little uneven because there's like you know, digital lag and bullshit like that. But I think we've gotten used mm-hmm. to it just in the age of Zoom, um, in the age of just virtual relationships and everything. I think that we're, we as people and as, you know, podcast consumers uh, have gotten used to the sound of a voice over a phone, over a, over a computer mic, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, I think it's fine. This is something that maybe, like, would have been... Uh, undesirable in like 2019 or whatever uh, when I hear podcasts that had like one person sounds like they're speaking into a professional mic and one person sounds like they're speaking over the phone on the internet or whatever then it's always like oh but now nobody cares oh, or at okay. least I, I don't care anymore I don't know no it sounds great your podcast sounds great and it's mixed really well thank you I do barely anything, to be honest. I, I do a little Take bit of the tweaking. Compliment, yeah. man. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know me, man. I'm a, I'm a impervious to compliments. It's very hard for uh, them to sink in. We've known each other for a long time. We go way back to uh, the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. We've been friends for... Uh, I don't know, fifteen years. Who I don't even know. I don't even want to think about how many I've years, seen, honestly. Seen you grow. You see me grow. Yeah. In, in our in our college phase into now. When we first met, you had the like the emo bangs and everything. You were full on oh like raw XD. I wasn't XD. Even that emo. No, I think I think it was more aesthetic. It wasn't really, you know, it was it was just sort of like a fashion. It was very like, uh, I don't know. 2006, 2007 kind of fashion thing that we were going through. It's all right. You know Portland. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's begin at the beginning. You're from Portland. Um, you Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Not to be that. confused with Portland, Maine. Um, mm-hmm. You grew up in a, a your first generation Chinese American, Taiwanese American, and uh, mm-hmm. your 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 dad ran a, a Chinese uh, food restaurant. Uh, Chinese yeah. restaurant, like a it was vegetarian, Vegan. right? Yeah, um, it was vegetarian, but we only had like one item that was vegetarian, which was the crab rangoon because it was made of green cheese. And then he switched to completely vegan, hmm. even though it was called vegetarian house. So. Right, <laughs> that was it. Yeah. What was that like growing up in uh, you know, in a in a restaurant business and all of that stuff? 
Oh, I grew up in many um, restaurants. So I say I'm from Portland because that's the most time that I've ever stayed at. But I um, grew, or I was born in California. My dad had, he wasn't a vegetarian then, but he had a uh, restaurant. He was doing like high-end Chinese banquet style restaurants. And then um, we moved to Oregon after my parents got a divorce and I was like two and then um, after that he like followed this religion very deeply and then we decided to do vegetarian restaurants so I moved a lot I moved to Boston when I was in like third grade um, and then he helped someone open a vegetarian restaurant there and then we moved back to Oregon and he did some like factory work and then he went to Texas and helped open two vegetarian restaurants there and then he went back to Oregon because that's where mostly my dad's side of family live and then uh, he decided to open his own vegetarian restaurant and so I've seen I've seen it all I've been a register I've been cleaning um restaurants been in the back of the house and front of the house yeah done it all (laughs) what was the religion oh it's called um uh guang ying guang as in light ying as in sound Uh and it was you basically had to like meditate every day for like two and a half hours you couldn't eat any meat you couldn't have uh, you can't eat eggs because like witchcraft and then <laughs> and then you can have sex before marriage and then oh. um well, you lost me else. there oh, yes. <laughs> did that ha- did he did that have an influence on you growing up were you um were you raised in that religion or did he try or did he kind of keep that to himself um no he when he converted, then we all had to convert, um, which was weird because you didn't really know what was happening and why, like, you know, a small child needed to, like, meditate. Mm-hmm. And there's two different things, right? There's, like, um, one that is, like, you're half-initiated, which is all, like, most of the children or people who wanted to get in this group. And then when you become full-initiated, then you have to meditate for like two and a half hours every day. That's a big ask. If you're running a restaurant, how the fuck do you do that? You got to dedicate so much time. Um, you wake up at four o'clock in the morning. Jesus. And then you meditate. For me, I was mostly sleeping, but then I knew how to sleep. Sleeping's kind of like meditating, you know? You're just, you're, you're lying no, no, still. No, no, you Closing your eyes. You have to, you have to say five names. You have to repeat the fi- I'm not going to say it because I'm probably going to hell so I'm just going to say that sure. five names of the uh, spiritual enlightened Buddhas and or beings I guess mm-hmm. um, yeah and then you just like yeah and then you just go about your day but I, I got really good at sleeping in different positions like sitting up or like Asian <laughs> squat like, got right. really good at sleeping sleeping in lotus position 
when uh did you stick with it did you like get away from the religious aspect of of your family as as quick as possible or is that something that you kind of held on to it's just part of like eh, this is my background this is my identity I, this gives me something or was it just like um, yeah this is bullshit i can't wait to get get the fuck away from this man i didn't even know if there was an escape honestly because it was like also embedded i'm sure with many people religion religious guilt but this yeah. is like religious guilt plus asian guilt slash immigrant guilt mm-hmm. so it's like oh no i have to even though i'm doing bad things quote unquote bad which is like i didn't i never drank i never had sex i never okay that's a lot 17 i did <laughs> and then i thought i was gonna go to hell <laughs> so like there's hell in that um, religion like hell like the devil poking you with a pitchfork and shit hell yes. brimstone fire kind of it's kind of like quakers but not as is but like more like catholic guilt if that made any sense huh. like they teach everything but then they also bestow upon you like the really fucked up shit that like religious people do which is like a little oppressing even though they were trying to spread this word of enlightenment yeah that's what it always ends up being you know like they're always like oh yeah this leads to enlightenment and this helps you uh transcend your humanity but then it always just ends up like guilting and shaming people and making people feel bad and controlling people so yeah i mean i don't blame i don't blame like any of the religion i feel like they all probably came from a good place well Never mind, I take that back. I don't know. But. No, I think they all I think they all start with good intentions and then they get warped by people. It's just part of the human yeah. condition. I don't know. Exactly. Um, are is is your pops still into that uh religion? Yeah. He's, he always tells me, you know, every time I talk to him, I'm talking to him like once a week, but um yeah, he always is like he doesn't push it on me anymore, but he'll be like, Diana, global warming, you have to be vegetarian or vegan. And that's that's the new way of sure. telling me. Like, He's not wrong, but also, we're, I, I mean, I'm so black-pilled with all of that shit anymore. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I don't know. We're, we're all going to die. What do you want me to do? <laughs> uh, it's over. We already lost. Die. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, You're I, right. You're right. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. It's just apathy at this point, but yeah, I mean, he does have a point. Like it is, it is. I anytime I talk to a vegetarian or a vegan, I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're that is totally a much more evolved and enlightened way of being. Uh, I just, I don't, I just, I don't do that. <laughs> I know that it's, yeah. I know that it's right, but I don't. I, don't I mean, know. I didn't, I didn't break out. I didn't stop being. Er, I. Started being a meat eater in 2011. Yeah, so one I knew you for quite a while after, as a vegetarian. Yeah, and then and then I was like, "Fuck, I need to I need to break out of this. I'm gonna eat a Five Guys hamburger," and that was it. <laughs> and I somehow it like helped me break out of Asian guilt and religious guilt. And I was like, all I needed was to eat this hamburger. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that. Um, what the you know what the Asian guilt, uh, immigrant guilt, all of that stuff was, was like growing up and, and how you've kind of, uh, shaken it off, um, you know, growing up and how, like, what have you noticed in kind of looking at yourself and, and, and working on yourself? They're like, Oh, 
that's because of this. That's because of the, that's because of the immigrant mm. guilt thing. That's because of the first wave thing. Um, yeah, I think at that moment when I ate that burger, I was like, wow, I did it. I like disobeyed quote unquote. Mm. Right. Like, so I think a lot of it is like, it comes from shame and it comes from not wanting to disappoint your family because they've like worked so hard to like come to America and then like you don't want to be that fuck up and so you want to do everything for your family and like do exactly what they want you to do because like that is like the quote-unquote American dream right you need to be successful and you need to like have money or like other people would be like you need to marry a rich guy or like whatever you know so I think that was like one pinnacle moment where I was like, I don't have to do the things that like I'm told to do because like, like, who is it for? Is it benefiting me or is it benefiting my family? And, and if I like benefit from something, why can't it be on my own terms and then benefit the family? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I don't want to be a doctor. I'm horrible at math. I don't know anything about biology. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's not true. I know I know things about biology, but not like to be a scientist or like whatever. Yeah. Um and then I think in twenty I think in twenty um seventeen I like had this deep moment with my family where it was basically like uh, a money situation and I didn't know what to do about that situation and I was crying and I consulted my partner and like I and like they got in an argument with my family and I was like I don't know what's right or wrong like I'm, I'm like I want to help my family but I don't want to like fuck up my own my own personal like credit score whatever I'm building like right. um so uh, that's when I decided to go to a therapist and usually, you know, and I, I never told my family because it's like in a lot of Asian uh, cultures, it's like a taboo. It means like you're crazy if you decide to go to seek therapy sure. or help or something like that. That's the um, general consensus with, I think, every kind of old school uh I feel like boomers of all stripes, all colors are going to, are going to tell you that like, uh, it's, it's, are you really that crazy? Like what's wrong with you? You know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't know anything about, I didn't know what, and luckily, you know, I have friends who were open and talking about therapy. And one day I was like, you know what, after that, I was like, I need, I need to talk to someone about this. That's not my friends. Cause I don't want them to have to bear whatever my baggage is and to them. And I also feel bad, you know, cause it's like, I don't want to talk trash about my family like that. So, um, yeah. So I went to go see Kelvin. She was a Chinese therapist, which was really important to me because, uh, I speak Chinese as well, but I needed her to understand, uh, exactly what I was saying if I decided to switch into Chinese, mm-hmm. um, and English. So, that was helpful. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately when I look back at it, uh, it, it helped me like gather, I didn't know, like, it was just like, I thought, you know, it's like the movies where you see in the movies and they're like, mm-hmm, and they write, yeah. write shit down. Um, but I didn't realize that the things that they were asking you was like your own 
questions that you just needed it to be rewarded, I guess, from yeah. a different point of view. Um, so after that, I was like, oh my God, I love therapy. <laughs> yeah. I think, did did they give a name to what the method of the therapy was? It sounds like psychodynamic psychotherapy, if I had to take a guess. Where's that? That's when you kind of talk to them about just like, usually how you're feeling, how you're doing, what your upbringing was like, and they kind of respond to you uh, and, and, and sort of assess what you might need to pull out of what you're saying and going through and kind of, kind of help you almost like Socratic dialogue. Like they'll help you, like they just ask questions until you kind of come to the conclusion um, yourself. They, and they rarely say like, you need to do this. You know, they'll just, they'll just say yeah. like, what do you like, what is that about? And like, when you feel like this, when is it, you know, when does this come up and what do you think that's about? And they'll, they'll like help you get to the root of stuff sort of on your own. They just guide you. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was mostly it, I think. And, and it was helpful because, you know, I don't really like people telling me what to do. So (laughs) it was refreshing to like be able to have that kind of like mirror, but in a different Mm -hmm. language, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked to a couple other people on this show, um, you know, of of uh, Asian descent, and uh, they've said that having a therapist who is also Asian uh, is you know it's a big it's a big thing. It, it helps, and and like I totally get that. Like we were talking about this the other day. Like you know, me as a, a you know a white dude, I'm kind of like the default you know, like bullshit American guy. Uh, so I don't have like the, uh, the racial aspects of like feeling like I need somebody to be on my level or whatever. Like it, if my therapist was brown or black or whatever, it, it wouldn't make mm-hmm. a difference. But uh, I noticed that having a therapist who is closer to my age and my generation was a huge, uh, a huge improvement because I'd had therapists who were a generation or two older than me before like growing up. And it just, I could not get them to, um, see where I was coming from with a lot of, with a lot of things. And, and like, they just, you know, just boomerisms would come up and I would just be like, shut the fuck up. Like now, like I would just leave more upset, you know? Yeah. That's what I hear a lot too. And like, then that is like the movie experience, right? Like you, you watch this and yeah. then you're like, oh, this is what therapists are. But like no one shows you in, in not no one now, like now on these movies are coming out that are like more about our experience and stuff. Yeah. But back in the day when you watch that and you're just like, oh, no, yeah, the awful. media did not do the best <laughs> job of uh, portraying what therapy really is. And I think that uh, Oftentimes, I think to our generation, it was often played for like laughs, like a real like a guy with like kind of like a Richard Simmons fro and a sweater. And he was like, you know, like the who's that like that character from Beavis and Butthead, the guidance counselor. He's like very like soft and like, you know, it was like like it was always like shit like that. Um, But speaking of media depictions, um, I assume you saw everything everywhere all at once. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that with a group of people um, when it came out, and I mean, I thought it was great. But um, one of the people I was speaking to, he was, he was Chinese American after the movie, and, and and he was saying that like 
it was so spot on the way that like even just like the stuff in their house they had like a particular brand of i don't know i don't know what he was saying i forget what he was saying it was like a toothpaste or something or some spice that is in every single chinese house that you go into and he was like they had that mm-hmm. and he's like okay so they've been paying attention and like they made this an authentic uh you know setting and really uh it was like I thought that that was cool, like in terms of like a oh this is nice for like art direction and this makes it like a more immersive experience. But for him, it was like oh this is really important on another level because it's like oh this is a story of my family and my experience and it's being really honest about it and that means a lot, you know. And and so like yeah, I, I, it, it's got to be a, a very different experience. Yeah, and it's really funny because my partner is white, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I always I always cry in movies, and I'm just a crier in general. <laughs> but because you know, I get touched easily. But uh, it was really interesting because, you know, like I I look at him when I get really emotional, and I like know that I'm about to cry or something. But when I look at him, I was like, oh, I don't see the same emotion because he's white and he he will never understand what it means to see that representation because that representation has always been for like so many like for centuries right like that is like oh this is the whiteness and this is what you have to like it's what everybody's standard is but when you see that in a movie like everything and everywhere all at once you're just like oh like i just want to cry even in even in shang chi when the Marvel, like that animated Marvel part came on and like I just heard the one second of the uh, of the sound, I just started bawling and I, I didn't even see what what was about to happen. It was just the opening animation to Marvel. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, I cannot believe that this is happening and that like the first dialogue is in Chinese. It's not in English. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like and the fact that I can understand and these other people who uh, don't speak this language, they, they don't understand it for me. You know, that's how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you were uh, a kid growing up, uh, were you encouraged to pursue a path in the arts? I think I always knew <laughs> that I wanted to be in the arts because I would always draw. And my grandma, my nai she was the most encouraging person about my arts. So, and it was funny because I remember this like a core memory <laughs> where like, every, you know, where they ask kids like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, I want to be like a firefighter or like whatever. And then I was like, I want to be an artist. And I distinctly remember them just like laughing at me. Oh. It's like you can't you can't make money you can't do like artist is not a profession and I was like oh yeah. and like and then on top of that I was the only Asian kid <laughs> in, in my class so it was like extra damaging. <laughs> I was gonna say like I mean Portland has a bit of a reputation for being a fairly white city. Um, did you have a lot in in terms of like peers, or is it just like your Chinese family and then just like the whitest city in America? I mean, first of all, the state of Oregon was 
um, held by the KKK. Yeah, like it was like an, an organized. Yeah. It's an aggressively white state, like a and legally white state. Yeah, and it's so like when you say that outline, you're like 1944, 1946. You're just like that is a recent time. That <laughs> like, is not that, that long ago. A, yeah, no, our grandparents were before that. You know, like. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is like Asian communities. There's like a big Vietnamese community, Thai mm-hmm. community. And, you know, and I think part of it, now I'm talking to you about it, I think part of it uh, for my dad in this religion was to find community. Yeah. So there's a lot of like, you know, like all these Asian people who immigrated and now are in this religion and like, you know, and it's, it's nice to be around, but um, yeah, I mean, in my classes and stuff, like everybody was white. Oh, there was one South Asian kid. But we we both like got made fun of all the time, and he also had like trouble reading because I'm pretty sure that kid was bilingual too. So right. like, were you um, discouraged from speaking Chinese or or um, even like learning learning it at all? Um, I think that's the one thing that I you know thank my grandma and my family for because. She was very insisted about keeping the language and keeping the culture. Mm-hmm. And so at home, no one would speak English. Like everybody would just speak Chinese. And like that was the way that it is. And if you spoke English in the house, they would all just look at you and be like, oh, are you American? Oh, you're American now. And I'm like, I thought we were, but now I'm confused. <laughs> Right, because um, the goal, I mean, is on some level like assimilation, but not full assimilation into. Just, oh yeah, yeah. Like, Sorry, they a, say a, a white bread American. Yeah, they they call it Westerner. Westerner, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was always encouraged, and you know, it was difficult because well, you don't know, but like it was difficult for me because. Um, I just, I was so bad at like spelling and reading and like, you know, teachers would like pull my brother aside. He took care of me uh, when I was younger. So they would pull my brother aside and be like, she's not, um, she's not doing too well because like her English is not very good. But one day it just clicked, Hmm. you know? And I think a lot of people don't understand that like, yeah, I might be slow, but like, it will click. It's just, it will take a little more time because I'm reshuffling the way that I'm used to speaking into the way that the English language is, which is confusing as fuck. Yeah. My, um, (laughs) my partner's cousin has a kid and, um, they're raising her bilingual, um, because his, his wife speaks Spanish. And so, which I think is great because that's the age you want to do it. You teach the kids Spanish and they'll soak it right up and it's just in their head and you, you practice mm-hmm. it with them and they just, boom, they got it. Um, but the rest of their family is um, racist and they have these like kind of concern trolley questions like, well, isn't that going to be like confusing for her? And uh, she seems to be kind of learning to speak really slowly and stuff. And it's like, yeah, she's learning to speak twice the language that you can so like yeah she's doubly learning so it like might take a second for her also 
she's a kid and she's kind of quiet and also she doesn't really want to talk to you because you're like a weird old fucking creep and so there's like a lot of reasons why this this kid isn't speaking to you and it's just it's just amazing the excuses that people will come up with like to just not to just to just have English become the standard. It's not even the official language. Like the, the United States does not have an official language per mm. se. Like there's not a legally, it's just de facto. We all speak English, but mm-hmm. it's not mandated by law anywhere. It's just like, well, all of our laws and documents and everybody, most everybody here speaks English, but there's no, nowhere does it say you have to speak English to live here ever. So I don't know. What- we, we should be like the forefront of speaking multiple languages because of all the people who immigrated here. Like yeah. that's what that's what I don't understand. I mean, if you're gonna colonize the fuck out of the world, you should. It should be the other <laughs> way around. You should speak their language, and if you're going to them, but that would imply that you like see them as, you know, I don't know, people and stuff, and, oh, and not just like God. resources for you to mine. But I don't know. Right. It's it's a whole it's a fucking complicated <laughs> history. I don't know. Like and and you know, we were talking about this the other day. I mean, like the the history of uh of of the United States and China and uh international relations and and uh, uh colonization of Asian countries and then communism in China like it's it there's a lot of complexity that uh gets I, I think kind of uh turned into a binary by a lot of people um kind of mm-hmm. on uh on on both sides of the political spectrum where uh uh your average like mainstream westerner I think will just be like their answer to everything is just well China bad you know China's this authoritarian evil country mm-hmm. and they're all automatons and blah 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 and like you know the, it's that cold war sort of mentality um and then I think honestly and I'm saying this as a lefty a lot of lefties tend to reduce the uh the political situation in China to like well, they're an enemy of Western imperialism, and so therefore they are also good. And I'm like, I don't know if it's that easy of a situation because I don't know if you would actually want to live in China and be subject to the laws there because that's they're they're not very chill, you know. So it's like yeah. it, it, it. The only people who I ever, most everybody who I ever really hear talking about how like, uh, you know. On the other side of it, like, you know, U.S. bad, China good is like, yeah, you're you're white and you haven't dealt with that aspect of, uh, you know, authoritarianism and and totalitarianism. And like there's a reason a lot of people left. Yeah. I mean, mean, like my my grandparents escaped uh, during the Chinese Civil War um, and they followed to go to Taiwan because they were like, China's fucking crazy. Like, we don't want to be. And they were teachers that taught. Uh, universal Mandarin to like soldiers and children and stuff because the old the old language is Cantonese and then you know Mao Zedong was like fuck that everyone's gonna speak Mandarin all of a sudden <laughs> like, like right yeah I yeah, just so- you know like I I 
it just has to be a lot more uh, nuanced than that because I, uh, like with religion, I see where a lot of that stuff is coming from and I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's probably a good thing that the, you know, peasant class stood up against the um, the landlords and took back their shit and were like, we're, we're tired of being... Uh, treated as just like basically human livestock and so we're just gonna like have this whole revolution but then it just becomes this thing where it's like okay now we are the boot stomping down on people and we are dictating everything and it's just it's a fucking impossible situation this is why like I I, I lately when it comes to you know uh, veganism and climate change and stuff I just throw up my hands I just I'm just like I don't know what to fucking tell you bud like it's it's all such a, a a quagmire, and we're like looming over a cliff, and fuck it, I don't know. You know, but I think my my best friend Sarah, she told me one time I said something about like because I was like spiraling so hard, like just like twenty twenty was just a shit show, you know, and like I was like I think I'm losing faith in humanity, and she was like. I, and I don't remember the exact quote she said, but she was like, Diana, if you lose faith in humanity, then what is what is there to live for? Because all we have is like each other. So you can't trust anybody and you're just going to hate the world and just live that way. Cause, and then you'll die that way. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> you're right. So I just think of it as baby steps, right? Like, yeah. like everything is a baby step. And, you know, like, perhaps you don't want to eat that much vegan. That's okay. But you can eat vegan, vegan for one lunch or something. You know what I mean? It's yeah, I like, mean, I, I, I call myself a, a, a meat minimalist. Um, like, I don't <laughs> eat it for every I don't eat it for every meal. And you don't have to eat it for every meal. And you probably fucking shouldn't. Like, that's just not the reason that it's that the current model of factory farming and meat production is unsustainable is because, again, Western, you know, like white bread America is just like, no, we got to have beef for every fucking meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What the fuck are you doing? Like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> I, I I don't think that that's necessary, and I don't think that that's even, like, healthy. And But it's also, like, I was a vegetarian for a long time. Um, yeah. For, eh, well, not a long time. A few years. Um, in, in my 20s. And it, I just, I... I gave up on it probably because I was doing it wrong, but like I just felt kind of anemic all the <laughs> yeah. time and just felt like I don't you feel good. Do like you can do it wrong, and I was probably doing <laughs> it wrong. There probably is a way for me to do it with my constitution, but like it just at the time I just always felt this like sense of like I'm I need to like eat a steak or I'm gonna like take a bite out of somebody's leg, you know, just because like I I had this like craving, and I think for a lot of people who are vegetarian. Uh, like lifelong vegans and vegetarians, uh, they they never liked meat really to begin with, or they um, are kind of neutral on it enough that they can just be like, yeah, whatever. But like, I grew up like just like really fucking loving you know burgers and ribs and fried chicken Ooh. and stuff like that. Like it just was like part of my you know, diet. And, and so for me to like give all of that up, it's just like, I couldn't, yeah, I was in a, I was a you know, like red meat, whole milk, you know, kind of, kind of guy. And it was just like, I can't, 
I, I, I it, it was just too hard. I don't know. Sorry, Earth. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, you are uh, one of the more optimistic people I know. So, you know, like to to for the world to bring you to a despair, a, dis, a point of despair is like really like that's it's really got to fucking push a uh, push a guy. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, 2020 was hard on all of us and, you know, mostly BIPOC folks. And yeah. and I think that that was the I was already seeing it with other jobs um, that I was working at. And like, like, even to the point of like segregation, right, like mm-hmm. segregation in the workplace and then also being gaslit and being told like, that is not right and like or that you're you're just seeing things right this person didn't just say like oh she's asian so she'll animate this anyway like what the fuck comment is that <laughs> and so wait I think, what like, hang on what <laughs> oh okay <laughs> i think you're getting day. ahead of yourself what what happened okay so back in the day i used to work for this crazy agency and um you know, a lot of my team was, um, you know, people of color. Right. As I try to hire many people of color in the industry that is predominantly white, cis male driven. And unfortunately, my boss is <laughs> we're all white, cis and male. Um, so, you know, there's like one time I was in a meeting and they were talking about something. And I was in like, the thing was, I was in the room and then my friends who were my coworkers at the time, like heard it. And I only heard like the tiny bite of it. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, that's what you heard. He said, oh, we got an Asian, they'll animate it. And I was like, the fuck? (laughs) And so I had, I went through like, I, okay, so then I started, and I was like, that is not okay. So I, I told my other white boss, and I was like, hey, like, this person said this. And he was like, oh, that's not true. Well, let me let me just, well, let me just flag it, right? Let me flag it to the CCO. And then it was like this whirlpool, and they're like, they want to talk to you. And I was like, can I get HR? And they were like, no. They just want to talk to you in private. And I was like, but I don't feel safe. I would love to have HR or even you, even if you want to be in this room, mm-hmm. like you are my direct person. And they're like, no, 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 just go. And basically the whole conversation, <laughs> I had two conversations and one of them was like, you didn't hear what you thought you heard. We're not racist. Then the second conversation was, I have Asian friends. You know, we make fun of each other because I'm Jewish. So, you know, like, they, and I was like, I'm not your friend. I am your employee. Yeah. And the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, I have Asian friends. What? <laughs> anyway, so that that was what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and mid 2000s. And then 2020 came. So I was already like you know waking up to everything and then 2020 came and i i basically spiraled out of control because i was like oh my god like so many so much information crying for my friends crying for my family crying for myself yeah and like you know my partner's white so he's like kind of like not as in tune like they still know but it's just like 
they don't they 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 don't know what it's like, yeah. right? And so it was like, yeah, it was a tough conversation, but you know, it's necessary, especially if you're in a interracial relationship and like needing support and um don't quite know where I was going with that, but like my point is is that like all this like led up to like the down the me spiraling being like, fuck humanity, I hate humanity, everyone fucking sucks, they're liars and racist people. <laughs> like Were you talking to your therapist at the time during during all this stuff? Yes, I had a new ther I got a new therapist actually and this is a uh different therapist. She was black and um you know, like she had to bear the world already. So I was like, oh my God, thank you for taking me in. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but it was awesome because she predominantly only works with uh, women of color. So I already felt safe knowing that. And then um, it was a different time in my life, right? Like I figured out my Asian guilt shit. And then, then I was like, okay, I need to know what, who I am as, the world sees me, if that makes any mm -hmm. sense. Um, and I needed to find that quest because at one point I I was truly just like, you know, I'm gonna say it, I really I really hated white people. Like it was it was just so everything that came out of someone's mouth that was white and like you know like I'm sorry like I'm not trying to sound racist or prejudiced against white people, but like you know it was very difficult for people of color then because it's like. Okay, 2020 happened. Now all all the friends who have black friends are calling their black friends and being like, "Oh, now I care about you, right?" But are right. you still doing the work? <laughs> and then it's like, okay, like you keep saying that you are, but I don't see it in your actions. So it it was difficult to find, but then you have to like realize what I come to realize from my therapist was like, you know, like you know, seeing my partner and being like, you can't hate him he's been with you for so long. Like he is yeah. not the problem. You can have a conversation with him about like where you guys stand in your interracial relationship. But you know, like it's just like what every media portrays like people of color where, where it's like, Oh, this one person of color did something bad. So everybody is bad. Right. Yeah. And that's how I was viewing white people, which is like, it's not helpful. It's, I'm doing the same shit that white people did to me. <laughs> sure. I, I, I see that, but also uh, I think, a, I don't know, like a lot of like, um, a lot of, I don't know, white apologists will talk about, you know, the, the, uh, the, the phenomenon of reverse racism, quote unquote, you know, and, and it's like, Oh, it's so hard to, you know, be white in, in today's society and we get blamed for all this. And like, you know, like the, the arguments in like the conservatives are bringing up right now about like CRT, critical race theory, you know, and, and like it's about like, oh, they're trying to indoctrinate your kids to, to hate being white and feel bad about being white and, and blah, blah, blah. And like, I just I, I see a lot of um, fallacies with that just because um, white America has, you know, has whiteness in America has been the standard uh, for lack of a better word. I can't come up with a better word for, uh, you know, since 
white people colonized the place and, and made it into mm-hmm. uh, the, the country we made up. Um, but for oppressed groups to have feelings of bitterness towards the people who have uh, for generations oppressed them uh, is not the same thing as the yeah. oppressing class having feelings of bitterness uh, and dehumanization towards the people who they are still currently uh, squashing and ex- extracting resources from. So like for an Asian person or a black person to just be like, ah, fucking white people or for a woman to just be like, ah, fucking men. Like I don't take that. like, I cannot take that as personal as, a white person saying like, ah, oh, fucking black people, you know, like they just, you just know that that doesn't have the same historical connotation. You know no, that it no. doesn't, you know, <laughs> like, and, and I think that it's just a bad faith argument for anybody to really, to, 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 to make that kind of argument. Like, it's just, it's just silly to me. And it's, it's ridiculous that it's become such a mainstream argument that we have to actually like still be talking about this shit in 2022. Like we don't have time for this, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's nuts. So like I get it and I really try and not take it personal. Um, when people talk about, you know, like that, uh, I have a harder time, like trusting white dudes and blah, blah, blah. Like I've like, yeah, it doesn't shock me. Like, honestly, like I, I, whenever I like meet somebody, um, you know, on, on, uh, you know, just, just in the world, I feel like there is a standoffishness uh, that that like I have to check out like you know I want to like go through their Instagram or whatever and just be like hmm what kind of person are they really like uh, they they seem chill they're nice to me because I'm a white guy but like w- what do they have to say about like trans women you know like what do they have right. to say like and I feel like I don't know like I just. I can go in so many circles and I can overhear a lot of people like really like dropping their guard uh, and saying what they really think about mm-hmm. uh, different groups of people. Uh, and they'll say it in front of me because I'm a white guy and they assume that it's cool to say that stuff in front of me. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, that's what it was like growing mm-hmm. up in Nebraska, you know, like it was just oh man, just casual yeah. racism kind of all of the time and casual sexism. And and it just. uh it got to where I had to learn to kind of pick my own battles and, and just be like, I, I can't con like I will never talk to anybody if I'm constantly fucking just like pushing against this. So it's like always like, Hmm, great. Don't love that. Don't agree with that. And then just kind of move on. I don't know. Um, right. But I mean, like, that's like one of the things, right. When we talk about doing your work and we hear these people talk about fucking racist shit, you gotta yeah. be like, Hey, that's fucked up and that's not okay. And I think, you know, like even talking about now and like me readjusting to going back into freelance, I I get that way. Well, you know, like just like what I've like grown up with is like microaggressions and racism yeah. and whatever. Um, but like, you know, I have a hard time because I always 
I always speak out. I always try and speak out. And the fact of the matter is, it's like the difference between us, Brad, is that you are a white man that can actually say something and people will listen to you yeah. because you're born into privilege and you, you get all this access. Once I speak out about something, I get isolated. Like it is like, oh, she said something, how we need more BIPOC people in this commercial. Well, I don't want to work with her. She talks too much. Put right. her over here. Right. And then and then they're like, oh, well, I guess you're just going to have to cut your contract or some dumb shit. And you're just like, I literally just said put more black people in the fucking commercial. Like, what? Like, yeah. Why is that? Why is that hard for you to understand that people need representation? Right. Like, Huh. insane yeah it's just especially you know i think for um asian americans since 2020 has been a real fucking nerve-wracking experience uh it has to have been and like you know again just for me like even as a white guy trying to like just be aware of the tone of the media around us um it doesn't even have to be as something as aggressive as you know donald trump calling it kung flu and uh the china virus and shit like that which is like stuff that he actually did and people were like he said shit like that just like out loud on tv and like that was bad enough but like it was even just like smaller things that just like you know Asian it's always pictures of Asian people in masks anytime they talk about COVID, anytime they talk yep. about like another spike. And it's just like yep. we're still making this connotation, huh? Like because it's it's kind of it's way past the point where it's one continent where this is happening, you know, like it's a pandemic. It has been just white people circulating this around in America uh mm-hmm. for years now. So I don't know why we're still why we're still treating it like it's a thing that's come from, you know, the fucking Orient or whatever the fuck. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, and then everybody wants, the media wants to pit everybody against each other. Yeah. Because, you know, they're afraid that, quote unquote, we will revolt and then and then take over the United States. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the core fear is that, like, it's like, oh, when you see people, right, when you see the civil rights movement, when you see them all working together, change yeah. can happen. And that's what that's what media wants to divide us in, right? They're like, oh, they did this and they did that. And therefore, you guys keep keep amongst yourself. I mean, that's what happened with uh, with Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers when once they started working with like white working class uh, groups and with uh with Latin American groups and all started like building like a coalition. Like they were like, Oh fuck, this is a big problem. So they just killed him, you know? And that's, that's usually the solution. They'll just murder you and and make up some trumped up reason for uh, doing that, you know? And uh, that's easy too. So it's just like, again, like I get into these thought spirals with like, is there any fucking way through (laughs) any of this? Like you can't organize the people and like take up arms. You can't, vote you can't win in the electoral system because that's all fucking rigged and fucked up like i don't know what are you what are you supposed to have an abortion supposed to do (laughs) you can't yeah you can't have an abortion you you can't even fucking have a jewel no 
the fuck? I mean, what are we supposed to? We, at least they legalize weed in New York now. Yeah, so there's that. There's that. We can just numb the pain. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I think that that's you know like a lot of dystopian writers talk about stuff like that, like um, you know the powers that be kind of a. Letting the lower classes have their pacifying drugs. Um, Quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. If, if you read, like, was it Brave New World? They have like that drug Soma or whatever that, like, they're just that that's fully legal because it keeps them from thinking about uh, revolution or whatever. Oh, like know. red. Like the Matrix, red pill, blue pill, something like that. Yeah, a little, a little different. Um, because it's like a literal drug. I don't know, but oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know. So, um, how are you? Where, what are you at? Like, uh, you know, mentally now. How are you on a scale of one to ten? How's how's your mentees? Um, I feel. I'm probably at um, I'll give it a solid seven. Se- seven it, out of a, ten. That's pretty good. Yeah, like a C. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's ups and downs, and you know, I'm, I'm trying. I, I know, like, it's really easy to get swept up in in the news, and sometimes I do that, and then I take a break, which is helpful. But I I try not to take too long of a break, I guess, because I. I want to know what's going on in the world. And I think it's easy for us to just turn it off and never look at the news or like, you know, never want to be triggered by something. But the reality is, is that like, we have to know in order to help each other, right? We have to be a community. And the only way is to like, know what's happening in the news so we can help each other. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, mentally, I'm I'm definitely in a much better place. I don't hate all white people. <laughs> That's good. There's there's some white people I really hate, but you know, like it is what it is, right? Not everybody's a bad apple, um, and we can only hope that like you know everybody becomes an ally and they want to like speak out and help each other. So. Um, I think the more that I see that and the more compassion and the more like, you know, little steps and even in my friend groups and just being like, oh, I'm seeing them do the work, right? Like, I feel like you have done the work, like you're still doing the work, but like Mm -hmm. I've seen an immense change with you, like in terms of like (laughs) if we go to college into now, right? Like, and I feel like you read up on these things and you're very like cautious of like, okay, like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say that shit. Or like, maybe I'll like let let them lead the way of doing this. So I really appreciate you for that. Thank you. I'm one of the good ones. I'm such a good. I'm such a good white guy. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Again, this is this is guy. this is a hard for me to accept praise but also i've 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 tried to just be like "Eh, i mean i don't want to be like yeah good i'm really good at being a a good white ally i'm just like yeah it's a learning process you gotta just you know uh just keep forever learning forever you're forever graduate out of this yeah 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 yeah. 
it is forever evolving. And that's kind of what's beautiful about it. I don't know. Like we're, we, we find out more every day, the more we, uh, learn and talk to people and hear other people's experiences, the more, uh, we can kind of understand each other and, and where we're coming from. And, um, you know, it's not really that hard to just, um, to just listen to people, you know, and, and just let them express how they are feeling. Um, mm -hmm. and it, it really blows my mind how difficult some people, I think, find it to, uh, just just hand over the reins to kind of anything when it comes to um, control or representation or any of that. Like just just to just to let other people like have their own experience with it. You know, like it, when I watched again, for example, like when I watched Everything Everywhere All at Once, I was like, you know what? I know that not everything in this movie is even for me. Like, I'm not going to get mm -hmm. a lot of the references. And that is fine because I can still relate to the characters because every Chinese American person I know grew up watching, you know, like stories about white people. They grew up watching Marty McFly and they could still root for him and still know that he's the good. Like, they still know Luke Skywalker is the, the good guy of the story. And they still want to be like, I want to be like Luke, even though. He's not Chinese like it, you know, like it, it never really uh, made any sense to me. Like it's that we're going to, you know, I don't know, get pushed off of, of something because other people are, you know, having their time in the sun. I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's crazy. It's, inter it's interesting, right? Because it's like everybody wants to be mm -hmm. a leader mm -hmm. but no one knows how to lead and understand how to delegate things and like let people do what they're really good at right like this is what i have to think about every time i lead a team or lead anything i always have to be like okay like i have my opinions but like i'm not gonna dictate like how you're gonna edit the thing like you have your story here's my bullet points that's it go yeah. go be free and then like we'll come back because it's all it's all about like collaboration and community and like setting people up for success i will push back on that just a little bit and say that like mm -hmm. i do not want to be a leader i never did i'm not that's fine i'm not cut out for that i i'm just not i'm not the guy i'm not like i i'm so much more comfortable being a part of a team um i actually talked about this recently with uh john rosenberger uh, about how we we feel very similarly where we're like, I don't, anytime I'm put in a situation where like I need to be calling the shots, I get pretty uncomfortable because, mm -hmm. I mean, there, there might be an aspect of like imposter syndrome. I know in my case there is an aspect of imposter syndrome, but like more than that is just I don't like the feeling of like I'm just going to have to like, march forward and some people are going to be happy with what I do and some people aren't. And uh, like, that's really hard because that, that's a whole other onion of like layers of, uh, codependence and wanting people to like me, wanting everybody to like me and understanding that they, not everybody will, you know, I don't know. Wait, I have a question for you. Sure. 
So in college, when you directed that short for your senior project, yeah, were you directing or were were you being the leader or were you just kind of hanging back? I mean, I guess it's. I always look at it kind of different in when it comes to uh, creative projects. If I'm helming a creative project, then uh, I'm more okay with like if I am in a, a leadership or senior role there, it's a little different because I don't know. Then when it's, I don't know, something like administrative or like business or, you know, team kind of thing. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to articulate. Uh, when it when it comes when it's like an uh, artistic endeavor, um, and say I'm at the helm of it, um, then then I'm happy. Uh, then I'm just happy that other people uh, are willing to work with me and are willing to show up on time and help me pursue my vision, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then, yeah, it just, it just, it, it's, it's a lot different for me, you know, making like some sort of like a, a student film or a passion project or whatever, than it would be for me being in like a leadership position where it's not really something that's about expression where it's like, Oh, we have to, you know, move an apartment and I'm the foreman on this job where like I have to delegate tasks to, you know, this mover, this trucker, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't have the, you know, but I think like you're like from what I am dissecting this mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. is that I think that you're putting these two things in two separate separate things like if you can lead a project and do your film and know that everybody is here for the film and be able to like direct it yeah what is that difference in between of you like having to be like oh i you know like i'm doing this dog walk and then you guys do x y and z route you know what i mean i don't know i don't know <laughs> this is again this is what i've been you know uh, dealing with, uh, talking with my therapist a lot about, uh, just professional stuff. And, um, you know, we talk about, we're talking about like my student film, which is fucking over a decade old at this point, you know? And mm -hmm. like, it just feels almost kind of silly for me to even like harken back to that. Cause I'm like, that was such a different time and such a different world. And, I'm, but it's still an experience. It was an experience, an yeah. Experience but like, I just, uh, yeah. That's but I just, you. it's just, I'm so far away from that person now, Diana. Like, it's just like, I, I just, I've, I've, uh, I. That was so. I don't know. That was that was a really long time ago, and it's really hard for me to even like get back into that headspace because, like, that was that was school where you know, we're all paying all of this money to, mm -hmm. uh, make these movies, uh, to make these projects and we're helping each other out. Um, and, 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 you know, like borrowing equipment and, and stuff. And once I got out into the 
real world, quote unquote, um, where it's it's someone else's money and someone else's time and someone else's, you know, like ex client is whatever paying for the like it just it something about it like was really hard for me to compute and and just like mm. never really like it it wasn't like oh this is like your little like your fun little art project that that you do with your friends like the, then it it became this like pressure thing where i'm like letting other people down and I, it just it, it became too much. Anyway, that's as much as I've unpacked it at this point. I'm sure that there's more mm-hmm. um, for me to uh, process with it and step into a, a, a more uh, I don't know kind of grown up version of myself. But that's that's been a whole thing. I don't know. I don't know where I. Yeah, I mean, like I think that uh, I. Don't... You know, our, our working styles are very different. I'm, I'm very much a like, yeah, I can figure it out, and then I like, jump in the fire, right? Like, I'm very like, oh, like, I know I'm good at X, Y, and Z. I know I'm good at animating. I know I'm very good at ideating, and I know I'm very good at delegating a team. That's you know, that's through different experiences in my life that now I can say that. But I think during the time when I first started freelancing i was like oh i don't i don't know what i'm doing i don't know like what the fuck to do i'm gonna do it because i know the the basics of animation and i know that all it is is just a program that anyone can fucking learn in like a few not a few hours but like you know like if you take a solid week you fucking learn how to do whatever you want to (laughs) do because end of the day the work is not that hard. It's just the people that are around it that is like being like, oh, this is my money and this is my thing and blah, blah, blah. That's like not your concern. Your concern is like one project. And that is like how I try and view these things of like being like, okay, yeah, you guys are paying me and I am going to do a good job. Do I know this thing? Yeah, I'll figure it out. And it's still going to look good because I have confidence in myself, right? Yeah. And I think that, like, sometimes you just got to jump in the fire and see what happens. And it's okay to fail, just like you said in your podcast. Mm. Ah, got you. God damn it. <laughs> ah, checkmate. Okay. Well, um, we should wrap up soon. Um, but uh, is there anything else you wanted to... Uh, to bring to the table you got you got tools you got stories you got um anything you want to uh impart our listeners with um first of all thank you brad yeah for having me on this is a lot of fun um and uh let's see everybody look out for my new company called chow and friends it is a creative house and um, you know, I'm still working on stuff. I'm going to cohort and learning about the, the things of business. So I'll just leave it at Chow and Friends. Just take a look at it when it when I um, work it out. And then um, I guess, you know, just be good humans and be kind to each other and take time to listen and, um, you know, support. Yeah. That's all. Right on. <laughs> 
All right. Well, um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you're uh, you know what you're gonna do with Chow and friends. I think this is gonna be this is really exciting. Um, and you know Ooh. we'll we'll talk soon. You know we we're we're friends. We're actually pals, and we we're, uh, pals. we're pals and stuff. And like oftentimes, I uh, a lot of my guests on the show, I've never spoken to them before or since. And uh, it's it's nice to you know like talk to somebody who I actually uh, really know and love and respect. I love you too, Brad. I love you, Diana. Thank you. Thank you once again to my bud, Diana Chow. Thanks for finally being on the show. I, uh, I, I probably should have had her on earlier. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I thought of, I, I'd always wanted to, and then I was just like, I, I don't know why I never got around to asking. I was like, I, I, I know this person who I talked to about art. There's a lot of people who I know a lot less closely who I've had on the show first. I don't know. Shit happens sometimes. But anyway, what a fun talk. I'm, um, I'm going to keep my outro short because I was kind of long in the intro. And uh, I, this is kind of the first time I've actually like spoken for a sustained period of time. In the last couple of days, I haven't really talked to anybody, which again, I'm kind of okay with. Every once in a while, take a couple days off from talking to people, see what happens. Just see. It's kind of nice. Honestly, it's one of the things I like so much about my job. Dog walking, such as it is. Dumb job, tired of it, trying to get out of it, but... Dude, I don't have to talk to anybody all day. It rules. I get to just walk around. Not have to deal with fucking small talk and shit. It's great. Not have to even like talk talk about work shit with people mostly. It's great. But anyway. Yeah, I didn't talk to anybody yesterday. Wow, like the whole day. Isn't that cool? I, like, left the house and showered and stuff. I wasn't, like, a complete, like, gross pile of shit. I just felt like I just didn't really... Didn't really do that. It's nice. Every once in a while. Anyway. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're finding time to... Uh, do both things, you know? Find some solitude time. Find some alone time. Sit. Chill. Turn stuff off. And just kind of vibe, look at a tree, look at the sunset, look at the sunrise, look at a train, look at whatever's around you, really. And I hope you find the time to vibe. Be around people who you like, and you like showing cool stuff to, and you like the same stuff, and you're like, oh, look at this cool cartoon. Look at this beautiful piece of art. Look at this cool song. That's the best. You need both of those things. Balance. All right. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, you know the deal. Follow me at Radical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at SelfWorst on Instagram. Uh, drop me a line, selfworst at gmail.com. Follow, uh, uh, subscribe on patreon.com slash selfworst and uh, help me out. And that's all. Uh, I'm Brad Pearson. Uh, don't get COVID and ruin a wedding. Goodbye.